A mighty feast of hot steaming music brought to you in stereo by bostonfreeradio.com. Boston Free Radio has no corporate agenda. We're independent media for the people. Your music, your voice, your station. Good, y'all. The indefinable Sterling Golden is in the building. This is the Chop Session, powered by 320 Entertainment. We thank you once again for locking in for this award-winning series here on bostonfreeradio.com. Now, family, as I always tell you each and every week, in case you miss an episode of the show or you tune in late, we got you. You can subscribe to the Chop Session with Sterling Golden wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and you can catch each and every episode one hour after their broadcast premiere here on Boston Free Radio. And you can check out each and every episode of our series to date. And this week here on the Chop Session, we have a legendary figure within the New England fashion community who really needs no introduction, but because... This is not a visual radio program. I will have to do so. And with great love, with great respect and great honor, I bring you the iconic Yolanda Salucci on the line this week here on The Chop Session as our final live guest of Season 2. Yolanda, good evening. Welcome to The Chop Session. Oh, it's great to talk with you, Sterling. How are you? Great day. In, indeed is, you know, I mean, happy Monday to y'all out there. And of course, to you, Yolanda, it's a great day, no doubt, to catch up with you. It's been a couple of years since we actually closed out the Sterlingtology live morning series. And now here we are again on the chop session. And we're going to well, talk about being, what's that? Love being with you. I love being with you as well, Yolanda, no doubt. This is a great honor for us here this week. So what's been going on lately, Yolanda? How you been? Very good. It's been a great, great week of the past week. As we can see the spring's coming in and summer, I can feel it. And then it's just so wonderful to see everything starting to bloom. Seriously is, you know, I mean, it's a great time. And also we see life getting more and more back to what we know little by little, you know, so it won't be long, hopefully, before I can make my way out to your neck of the woods for your great television program, Yolanda Style and Glamour on WCAC-TV. So I'm looking forward to We're that looking day. forward to having you on. And it's going to be a great show because uh, you have so much to tell us about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> before I get put on the spot myself, and that's a story to tell. Let's first talk about Yolanda Salucci's story, okay? We're talking about someone who is self-made, a business maven like no other in Boston's fashion community. You continue to empower people all across the community and beyond, and you've done so since your career began back in 1967 at the age of 27. So let's kick it off right from the beginning, Yolanda. So let's talk about how Yolanda Salucci found her way into this industry. Well, it's really kind of a long story, but a very exciting story in a way. 
I basically was a bookkeeper by trade when I married my husband. And he was in business and uh, doing very well. And then he ran into some roadblocks where we got into a financial position that I was kind of forced to go to work with him to make sure that we could survive. And I had two small children at the time. And um, from the just the stress of having a problem financially, I started losing my hair. And uh, I went out and bought a wig so I could get a job. And I styled it myself. And I found people were scoffing me and saying, I love your hair. It's so beautiful. And I'd say, well, it's just a wig. And they were so fascinated because they had friends, either a mother or a niece or someone that had a car accident that they needed a wig. And they started asking me, you know, could I get them one? And where did I get it? So I started actually buying some wigs and going from hospitals and homes and nursing homes to assist people. And I was actually doing it just out of the goodness of my heart. And uh, someone said to me one day, you know, you could make money doing this. Why don't you go into business? And I said, no, I'm just glad I can help people. And it ended up that a friend of mine had an import license and uh, he was instrumental and connecting with someone in Italy with real hair wigs and brought them in. And I started this little business and uh, from my house. And it got so busy that we really couldn't even have dinner because the doorbell was ringing all the time because we were right. operating home. And uh, I finally saw this cute little place. Um, in Belmont, and it was an old funeral home that was closing, and I went in, and it said for rent, and I asked how much it would cost, and he told me, and I'd have to sign a lease, and I went back and talked to my husband, and by then, my husband's business was really doing well and surviving, and we said, well, if you think you can do it, and I did. I started with just a couple of women from the school uh, that helped me answer phones and do things, and uh, I took this funeral parlor over and I made the uh, embalming room a massage room <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the downstairs became a health club and the upstairs was a beauty salon. And then where the lights used to hit on the casket to highlight the bodies, I put all the wigs. <laughs> oh my goodness. And uh, <laughs> my original idea was to sublease to all different vendors so I wouldn't have to carry everything myself. And nobody was interested. They felt like, well, why would a beauty salon be with a dress salon, be with a wig salon, be with a health club? And um, I found myself having to do it all myself and hire people. So I hired a couple of hairdressers and I hired a girl to exercise uh, and teach classes. And I ended up doing it all by myself, which I would prefer to have had you know, vendors coming in and paying me rent, but it didn't work out that way. Uh, but it was very successful. Uh, within five years, uh, we outgrew the building. It was like we had no more parking. Uh, we couldn't take any more customers. And um, we had to look for a new location. I'll buy the building. We thought about buying it, but it was still, that wasn't going to help the problem with the parking and uh, the expanded business that we had done. And at that point, my husband was very successful, and he said, I have a piece of land with a house on it. What if I knock it down and build you a store? 
And it was in a kind of a lousy area in, in Waltham at the time. There were kind of oil tanks around. And I said, that crappy piece of property? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm going to give it to you for nothing, and I'm going to tear it down and build you a store. And he did. Within less than six months, this man worked day and night and put all his effort into building this fantastic store. And, and um, I already had a clientele from Belmont. We were only probably a mile away. So the same customers came to the new store. And uh, that was the beginning of Yolanda's, the real Yolanda's that started about 1975 that just grew and grew every year. We had to add to it, add to it. And we did have the space and the land. So it, it worked out really well, but it, it was, it was really um 45 years of just wonderfulness of uh, hard work but very rewarding because every year something new was added and it was very exciting i mean i'll tell you it's impossible to tell the story of yolanda salucci without going into yolanda's you know i mean everybody who's anybody in our fashion community and in the business community of new england is familiar with the yolanda's shop it thrived for all those decades until the final closing in 2009. But along the way, you know, Yolanda's attained such a reputation that surely there's got to be a couple of great untold stories from through the years at Yolanda's that I would love to hear about and share with our listeners. But before we get to those, I would love to ask about this one thing I came across, and that is the fact that Yolanda's was actually featured on the iconic show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach. So, yes, it was very exciting. Let's hear about um, this. That came about because I did a big show in uh, Rhode Island, and uh, I bumped into, at that time, uh, all the people that worked on that show. And, of course, uh, Robin Leach, and uh, he was fascinated with the kind of gowns we had, and he asked if he could come out and film at the store, and uh, it just so happened, it was the year my daughter Linda was getting married, and we had decided to have her wedding in the store, um, actually only because we had rented the opera house, and Sarah Caldwell at the time, we had put a deposit on the opera house, and we were going to redo the drapes and the rugs for the wedding. And uh, she decided that she was going to, after I put everything in, throw a party the night before. And I said, oh, no, not on my dime. You're not going to do that. And I pulled out and decided to have the wedding in the salon. And uh, it was quite a job. And Robin Leach wanted to come out and film the wedding and film the customer's. Um, he was fascinated with what we did and the price of the gowns. In those days, it wasn't unusual for a bride to pay 15000 for a gown, $25,000. Um, and that was not like um, everybody did it. It just was that kind of thing. And weddings were very important and they were big. And um, it was like, who to impress? Who do I impress next? Exactly. So, um, we were carrying dresses like from Bob Mackey and Oscar De Laurentiis and Bill Blass. And um, I mean, the, the, the gowns were just 
spectacular. In fact, some customers still talk to me about they can't part with them. They still have them, and I don't blame them. They spent that kind of money. <laughs> but uh, I have the same thing. I have some I can't part with. Yes. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, growing up in the 1980s, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous was one of the most, you know, sought after programs for any celebrity on television. And actually, Robin Leach himself is a pretty fascinating figure, Yolanda. A couple of years back, we did a podcast on my sister's show, The Sterling Perspective, about the history of Studio 54. And Oh, gosh, that. We used to go there dancing. In fact, I have pictures back then uh, with a lot of celebrities because they were always there. And you really had to be somebody to get in and you couldn't get in. It was great to get into Studio 54. Now, as a historian of Studio I got to hear it firsthand from Yolanda Salucci about your experience at studio. It was so exciting. I mean, everyone was dancing. It was just, the music was outrageously wonderful. Uh, everyone was in a great mood. Um, you never had, I mean, back then we didn't have problems with like people getting drunk or drugs. It was just people that were happy, that loved music and loved to dance. And Studio 54 was the place to be. And there was always great celebrities out there performing. And you had a chance to rub elbows with them and take pictures with them and sit with them. It was that kind of thing. Not that you said very much because most people just wanted to dance. It's pretty amazing. You know, one of the it most, was, yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the most important pieces of the history of nightlife. You cannot talk about nightlife without studio being mentioned. Uh, I mean, my God, is the, to me, the crown jewel of nightlife to this day, even though it's long been gone in its original incarnation, you have incarnations in Vegas and things like that. But I'm talking about that original Steve Rubell and Schrager founded studio out in New York city. I was too young to get in. Sadly, I was, I won't even talk about how young I was when it opened, but uh, I will say that if I could turn back the clock and if I could be born at an earlier time, you better believe I would have been at that front gate and just praying that I got in, Yolanda. And they did. It was funny how you'd watch the, the gentlemen that were out there. They had the rope, you know, tied tightly and they'd like pick and choose. Like, you can come. No, you can't come. No, nope, you're okay. You can come. So, and a lot of it was on your appearance. The more outrageous and more fantastic you look, the more they wanted you there. So it was like, not like today where they just throw on a pair of jeans or jogging pants and go out. I mean, they were dressed, dressed to the nines and beautifully dressed and fun. I mean, it wasn't, um, it was all glitter, glamour and fun. I mean, that's just what it was. I mean, you look at the history of studio and you look at like, for example, some of the more iconic regulars, that we had at studio like Bianca Jagger, Andy Warhol, Halston, Liza Minnelli. Oh my God. I mean, yep. the list goes on and on. And it's really cool to know that Yolanda Salucci blessed studio in more than one occasion. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I ended up having the picture taken, which I still have with Roberta Cavalli. And he was just starting out then and I have originally never thought years later uh, in my store, I would be carrying his things. And I started carrying his dresses and his outfits, which is still very fabulous. And um, 
Dionne Warwick. I have pictures with her in Studio 54. Um, it was great. I bumped into this New York photographer that I asked, could he send them to me? Because he was clicking away, and he did. He sent them to me, and it was really exciting. So I still have those as special memories and special times in my life. Absolutely, and we have more in a moment about the story of Yolanda Salucci to share with all y'all out there. But before I do, I want to remind you all, in case you're tuning in late, this is the Chop Session on Boston Free Radio. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. We have the legendary Yolanda Salucci. We're talking about the goddess of glitz, and she is on the line here this week is on our penultimate episode of Season 2 and our final live guest of the season. In case you miss an episode of our series or you tune in late, you can subscribe to The Chop Session with Sterling Golden wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit that subscribe button and you can catch episodes like this one one hour after their broadcast premiere. With that being said, we are with Yolanda Salucci. And now I want to talk about some of the great, if you have any, you can share with us, untold stories about Yolanda's, maybe a memorable customer or memorable experience you had there that has never been shared previously anything that can shed a light to our listeners about yolanda's that may not have been told before well we had uh been very involved in theater groups and all and i was on the board of directors for many years of the north shore music theater so in those days uh back then every time a celebrity came to boston and they appeared at north shore music theater we would send a car out, which we had the Excalibur limousine back then, and we would send it out to the theater to pick up whatever celebrity was in uh, performing at North Shore and bring them out for maybe a day of uh, pampering, which we call the Day of Beauty. And we would have them come out and give them a massage and a makeover and maybe pick out some dresses and Many of the, the stars that came out after they came out and they appeared uh, in the show and had been at, at our salon. And the kind of dresses we had that they loved to perform in, of course, were Bob Matthews. So we had a lot of people like, which I miss dearly, I think out of all of them, people asked me, and I say that Natalie Cole was one of my favorites because she was so warm and wonderful. And uh, she came to us through the show I did with the Celtics, the Red Arbeck Foundation. And um, she came up to get fitted for her gown for the night of the show. And she just was most warm and wonderful and easy to get along with. Uh, many people stopped her on the way out. We had private dressing rooms upstairs where they could be alone and not be seen. But she didn't mind. She didn't mind coming down, signing autographs giving them pictures. Um, she was amazing. I mean, she, out of all of them. And my second favorite was Fran Drescher, the nanny. I love um, Fran Drescher. And that was great because uh, Fran, uh, <laughs> that voice, that voice from the nanny is truly her voice. She's not putting anything on. Yes, it is. <laughs> she is a joy to be with. Um, and she was getting ready for the wedding of the season. And uh, she was touring, and uh, WBZ-TV got in touch with me about having her come visit the store and do a promotional with her there. And um, she greeted people, and 
her people were trying to move her out because she had so many commitments. And she said, no, I'm staying right here. I love Yolanda's. And she screamed it out. And they couldn't get her out of the store. She just loved being there. We presented her with uh, Stuart Whiteson's glass slippers for her wedding. And um, it was just a delightful way. Uh, to spend an afternoon and all my customers got a chance to come uh, meet her. And uh, that's the thing I think my customers remember so much because I still see a lot of my customers and still do some personal shopping for them. But um, the celebrities were fun. I mean, there were so many, there were some uh, that were bad. Like when I say bad, were very hard to deal with like Diane Carroll. Uh, I remember doing the show for the Black Coalition Society, and Diane Carroll was the special guest that night, along with Janet Langhart, as you remember, Janet. I do. Beautiful. Yep. And so. she appeared with us, but she wanted something spectacular to wear. And Saks Fifth Avenue sent over dresses, and Sarah Frederick sent over dresses, and Acris sent over. And she was, no, 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 no. Um, she did settle on a black lace dress from us that she wore. But she was so difficult and rude to so many of the stores um, that were coming by to present her with something to wear at no cost. Just they wanted her in their dresses. And she was very picky, but not nice about it. Um, and I was a little surprised because up to that point, most of the celebrities I had met, were spectacular and um, wonderful to deal with. Uh, there were no airs, and when you're talking to them, you would think they were just your friend down the street, which was great. And those are the best kinds of celebrities you can deal with. You know, I myself have had similar experiences with, you know, big names that you thought would be down to earth and easy to deal with, and they turned out to be the complete opposite. I totally know what you're saying here, Yolanda. And I'll tell you this, to back up a few moments here about uh, Fran Drescher, I mean, I'll keep it 100 with all y'all out there. I'm not going to lie. Growing up, uh, Fran Drescher, yeah, young Sterling Golden had kind of a thing for Fran Drescher. I must admit. I can see why. She's adorable. <laughs> yes. Yes, she is. And to this day, Fran Drescher. She's still it. Oh, my God. She has maintained herself so well, still stunning. Still yep. a joy to watch. You know, I love Fran Drescher. A great gal. Great. And she's still doing well. Still doing well. Yes, she is. You know, big love to Fran Drescher from us here at the CHOP session. Now, I want to actually now go forward into 2009. Now, it's interesting how this kind of coincides between you and myself because it was a month after my career as a DJ began out here when in August of 09, that was when the physical Yolanda's store closed for the last time. You close your doors and you moved onward and upward. Now, I want to hear about why you decided to close the doors on Yolanda's after all those, those years. That was a very difficult decision. I had really just automatically, it was my life. It was like go to work every day, but it wasn't work. It was going to see my friends and people that I knew for years. And I knew at that point that I was not only servicing my clients of 
45 years ago, but their daughter's weddings and now their granddaughter's weddings. And I knew that I had been around and um, we were in an area in Waltham uh, that when we took it, it was like barren land and oil tanks around us. And it built up through the years. Over the 40 years, it uh, the land beside us became valuable. Uh, and a big company, the Duffy Brothers, they were amazing builders, had bought up the land. And we were basically in their way because our little plot of land where all the oil tanks were, there was nothing there. But now suddenly he built this fabulous little mall and um, we had all the frontage and we were like in his way. <laughs> and he would call uh, periodically once a year and say, you know, you want to sell, we're interested in buying your building and whatever. And um, I would always say, no, not in, I'm not interested. I'm not planning on it. I love what I do and it's exciting. And it was always exciting because every day was like Christmas. New boxes came, new customers came. Uh, and greeting, uh, the customers were different in those days. They were very loyal. Uh, they came back all the time. You'd call them and say, I've got something for you. And they'd come in. Uh, so much service. We did everything for them so that they could come and uh, exercise and get their body in shape and feel good and have lunch and then they could shop and they get their hair done. They could buy a dress. They could even buy a tube of lipstick. There wasn't anything they couldn't buy, including their lunch. And there was free parking. We had a huge parking lot. Yeah. So um, it just kept growing and growing and it never stopped. But in uh, 2009, the year before, we had been away in Aruba and I had had a slight heart attack and I came back and my daughter had said, you know, Mom, I think you really should start thinking about enjoying life and going away more. And I wasn't interested. They'd keep calling and she'd keep telling me, I think you really should step back. You know, you don't want to be doing this forever. And I said, why? I can do it as long. But after I had the slight heart attack, I realized that, you know, maybe I should step back. And they called me on the right day and said, you know, we have an offer we want to make to you. We really need the building. And by then, many people had tried to buy the business, but they wanted to change it by taking the spiral staircase out, closing the health club, and uh, it would no longer be Yolanda's. And most people, businesses that wanted to buy it, wanted me to run it. Well, if I was going to step back and now run it, I wasn't really stepping back. So I had two alternatives. And... Um, I did say to the Duffy brothers, if you give me enough time, I will make a deal with you. But you've got to give me time to make sure that everybody gets their money, their dresses, their gift certificates. Because at that time, we had $200,000 worth of gift certificates out there, and we didn't want people to lose their money. Um, so I approached other businesses if they would honor the gift certificates at their store, and I would pay them. And they agreed. So once I got everything in place, um, we made a deal that in three months and we let people know that their dresses would be in. And then I made a deal with a girl on Newbury Street who was wonderful, Anna Hernandez, uh, that my dresses would be delivered to her store and I would show up for the fitting. 
that took approximately three to five years to finish all of that. And, um, but we did. And so it makes me happy that everybody we worked with and everybody we sold, um, we left on a good note. Uh, we left them in good hands. Uh, every employee got a job. I called my competitors and said, I have the greatest staff in the world. Are you looking for someone? And they all had a job. So the day all my employees stayed to the last day, and um, they all had a job the next day. So there was no problem. And the next three to five years, I honored the gift certificates and honored the fittings of the dresses. And um, we called it a day. But I didn't step back totally because I still do some personal shopping for many customers. But now I buy in the competitive stores for them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's remarkable, you know, because to the end, you took care of your employees. You took care of everybody that made Yolanda's successful. And right. I think that speaks loudly to how legendary you are for your give back efforts. You know, you've always been one to give back and show great gratitude. You're a community leader. You have been honored with awards for your efforts in this field. And philanthropy is something that Yolanda Salucci has long been involved in over the years. Let's hear about it. You know, some of the more memorable experiences you've had in your efforts with uh, philanthropy. Oh, it's been unbelievable. I mean, the awards were just amazing. I mean, you could wallpaper the house with how many. In fact, when we finally sold our big house and moved here, uh, we could not have ever brought them all. So we did photograph all the awards that we have in a folder, um, and we kept just a few. And the rest we had to give away because there was no possible way that uh, the apartment we have now is not big enough to hold the awards. But whether it be the Heart Association, which I was very involved in, um, Marisol Nursing Home, uh, Cancer Society. Now we're very involved with St. Jude's Hospital for Children, uh, which we, my grant, my daughter who passed away, uh, loved the fact that they, St. Jude's was there for children with cancer, cancer, and she wanted to support them. And we've, you know, been involved in Easter seals. We do the telethons on WBZ TV and, um, Easter seals. I mean, it just the, the list goes on and on, and the awards were great. But that isn't why we did it. We did it because we really wanted to do it. But it brought back tenfold um, so many great relationships. I mean, basically, the first day we opened the store in Waltham, Kip O'Neill was there with the mayor, Mayor Clark, at the time, mm -hmm. and we opened it that you had to pay to get in a $50 fee, but that went to the American Cancer Society. So we kicked off the day we opened 45 years before we closed uh, to do that. And it worked. So we found that people were willing to do that, but then they ended up becoming customers. So um, it was paid back to me tenfold. But the main thing is everything we did, we tried to do it for charity. We did Exeter Hospital in New Hampshire, 18 years running uh, for Exeter Hospital. And uh, we would draw a crowd of 1,600 people and women would come from all over Massachusetts to come to this event. It was sold out every year that we did it. Um, so there were so many 
great, great memories I have and pictures. I mean, there's boxes and boxes of pictures that um, we did write a book recently, but we couldn't get all of it in. We just touched upon because it was really 50 years of running a business and uh, there was a lot to put in. Let's hear about the book more. Huh? Let's hear about the book, actually. I'm curious. Uh, the book is just out. It's got five stars with Amazon. It's called, um, let's see, we got a new, because we have Linda's book too. We have two books. And our book is Beyond the Style and Glamour. And um, the reason I titled it that, Beyond the Style and Glamour, because there's a lot of stories in there um, of struggling times and stories of how we, came above it and rose above it and uh, people that didn't bought a lot of stuff but didn't want to pay their bills and acted in some other ways. Um, but it was, it was good. It's good. People are enjoying it. It's kind of a lesson learned that you can do anything you want to do if you want to do it, if you have the desire and the passion um, and you can make money at it. Uh, if you give good service and keep a good reputation. And I think above all, um, if I leave anything to anyone, um, you would want to leave a good reputation of being a good person. And um, I think the book comes across that way. Um, it was a great, great, I mean, I've had a great, great life, regardless of the trials and tribulations or what goes on, but that's everyday life. And that's what happens to everyone. It's not going to be smooth sailing. But it's a good ride. Certainly is. And y'all out there listening tonight, you can get your copy of Beyond the Style and Glamour from Yolanda Salucci out now online. And let me tell you, okay, this show tonight only scratches the mere surface of Yolanda Salucci's story because there's so much to be found, I'm sure, between the pages, between the covers of Beyond the Style and Glamour. right and we did do a children's book um about linda and we will be doing the second book will be out probably first of may um to do with um, linda's life as a child and the last book that we just which is out and that is sold out three to four times already that has five stars which is lindy lou and her dancing shoes because um Lindy was probably one of the happiest girls you could meet and loved life and loved to dance. In fact, she was a model, but she at the time was the only model that did not walk without a smile. She danced down the aisle and smiled and said hi to people as if she was modeling the outfit. And you don't see that because normally if you see a fashion show, the girls look very stern and stern faced, I should say. And walk with like kind of a march and um, they show you the outfit. But Linda wanted to relate to everyone that was in the audience. And that's what she did. And um, so we, we talk about her life as a dancer. She was always dancing. If she was cooking, she was dancing. If she was walking, she was dancing. Um, and her next book will be the start of her modeling career and all her modeling friends. I love it. I look forward to that. You know, anything that involves... Yolanda Salucci or anything that involves the Yolanda Salucci squad, I am here for it. 
I am hearing Aww, so much. Thanks. I'm excited, no question about it. Now, before we go any further, for those of y'all locking in late tonight, this is the Chop Session on Boston Free Radio. I am the indefinable Sterling Golden. We are on the line with the goddess of glitz, the iconic Yolanda Salucci. And in case you miss an episode of our series or you tune in late, subscribe to the Chop Session with Sterling Golden wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can hit that subscribe button and check out each and every episode of our series one hour after their broadcast premiere right here on Boston Free Radio. And we'll have more in a moment about next week's season finale of the Chop Session. Yes, it's come to that point, y'all. Next week is our season two finale. I know, I know. We'll be back for season three later this year, I promise y'all. Anyway, so we are talking with Yolanda Solucci. And now, you know, I never like to bring these conversations, you know, onto a sad note. But, you know, it must be addressed and discussed here. We're talking about the story of Yolanda Salucci. And that is, of course, your equally as legendary daughter, Linda Cole Petrosian, who died at age 57 on January 2nd of 2018, sadly passed away that day, and was one of Boston's most beloved models, you know, and had great respect among her peers out here. I know that I remember seeing and hearing about the passing of Linda Cole Petrosian and seeing so many people come forward with tributes and great words to, to describe her. And I want to uh, ask you now, Yolanda, firsthand about what it was like to deal with this situation and a few words you can share. I'm sure there's more than a few words you can share. But let's talk about the great uh, Linda Cole Petrosian. Well, I was very fortunate to have her as a daughter. Um, I have two daughters, Sandra Shelley, who is a great designer. She's on uh, PLC with My Big Fat American Gypsy Weddings, and she does all these outrageous dresses, and she's pretty well known. And uh, Sandra was the oldest. Of course, Linda was the youngest and a very famous model in in Boston. And uh Everyone loved her that knew her because she was that type of person. If she saw you sitting alone somewhere, she would just walk over to you and say, hi, who are you? What are you doing all by yourself? Come on, sit over here. Um, she just had that way about her uh, that through when we found out that she had cancer and she realized we thought we could beat it. We were convinced we could beat it, her and I. Uh, Dana Faber was exceptionally great to her. They tried everything, but esophageal cancer is one of those that's pretty deadly for most people don't uh, survive it. And I never believed that I could go on after Linda would be gone. I, I just never thought, how could you lose a child? That's impossible, especially at a young, vibrant age. But Linda was a strong individual to the end, and we were very fortunate uh, unlike some people that lose a loved one, um, had a chance to say goodbye to her, had a chance to be with her and hold her and talk to her, and she could talk to us. Uh, Which some people, I think it's harder for someone when they hear something they're not prepared. We could see as the three years went on, she really suffered three years um, through a severe uh, operation that was supposedly successful, but then it came back with a vengeance. And when it came back, it came back with a total vengeance. And uh, 
we knew it was coming, even though we tried to keep a positive attitude. Maybe we're one of the one out of a hundred percent that will survive all of this. But in life, God hands you what she can handle. And, um, you know, I mean, basically, as I said, we had a chance to be with her, but losing a child is like losing part of yourself. And for a while, I never wanted to finish my book or do anything again. And uh, she said to me, Mom, do not be sad. Just go on with life. It's so short. She, like, educated me, my husband, and her boys. She told her boys, make sure you take care of your grandparents. Make sure you're there for them, because I can't be. And uh, she's strong. And if she could be that strong and pain as she was, uh, I could be strong for her and for her boys. Because she has two wonderful sons who call every day or hear one's coming tonight for dinner. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. Uh, it's just, um, and, and what happened was how I pulled out of it, um, was I decided to write about her. I thought of the quirky things she did. And like I say, dancing down the runway, she kind of, uh, did things on her own, uh, level that she wanted to do. And, uh, so basically, uh, I said to the boys one day, you know, I'd like to write about your mom because she was so much fun as a child. She was always fun. And um, if the book is received so well, because it's basically what children do. So, you know, they uh, it's stories about her, actual true stories about her. So that's uh, what's fun about it. So it actually kind of keeps me uh, in a good mood because I remember the precious memories of a little girl who was always getting into trouble or doing <laughs> what nobody her to do. Uh, she was a delight and a joy, a never unhappy. Uh, I always tell one story about she was such a positive person. And she was here one time, the whole family was coming to dinner and my dishwasher broke. And I got so upset. And she pushed me aside. And she said, Mom, don't get upset. You know what? Let's just stick everything in the oven and no one will know where the dishes are. And then we'll, nobody will have to help me feel bad. <laughs> I love it. And everyone came in the kitchen and said, oh, guys, you've had everything put away. We said, yep, everything's done. And then when they left, we took them all out and started cleaning them. But that was her. She was like, don't let something like that ruin a nice night that we had because something went wrong. Um, she never, you know, she just kept me going all the time, um, laughing and telling stories and uh, love comedy clubs, love to go to. Uh, dances and hear music. You couldn't enter her house without music playing in the background. Um, so, you know, as I said, I, I'm a very fortunate person to have had such a beautiful daughter. But I live with her memories, and the book helps me because it brings me back to my younger days and uh, days of watching her just be Linda. Special. Absolutely. So, and uh, I just want to say rest in paradise, Linda. Yeah. And also, I want to talk about this. This is really cool. Speaking of Linda Cole Petrosian, and that is a couple of years back, uh, Linda's son, Dimitri, did this wonderful benefit, actually, in memory of Linda. It's called Our Girl Linda. And yeah. I, would, I would love to hear more about this event. Yeah. Uh, we had the first one 
a couple of years ago before the pandemic, of course, in the year of the pandemic, we were supposed to have it in May, thinking, oh, we'll be fine by May. You know, we really did believe that. And it just got to a point when it got closer that we had to cancel. So then we canceled it to last year and um, this coming year, I should say. And uh, people are saying they're still not ready to go out. So we are planning, maybe we'll do it late summer and we might do it outside in a different venue uh, because people are anxious. They've already sent money in. They wanted to come. But we couldn't have it because you won't get the crowd. And all of the money that's raised uh, goes directly to St. Jude. They are now building, um, they have already, I should say, because last year's money, they had a walk with her name on it and they have a plaque with her name on it. And we just bought a bench on the Waltham Common with her name on it. Many of her friends have come and sat on it. So we're keeping her memory alive and somehow, some way, if we can pull this off uh, sometime end of August, September, it'll be another dance party. Um, excellent. And I think it's uh, in Quincy Bay. That would be excellent. You know, I mean, we're seeing that light at the end of the tunnel as we speak. Full disclosure, you guys, it was actually uh, about six days ago when I had my first shot. Actually, as you hear this episode, it's been six days since I had my first shot. Yeah, you know, so we're getting out there. And so August, September, Yolanda, I got to say, it's a very real possibility that this could happen. Yeah, I think, and if not, we'll have to push it to next May again. But, um, you know, people have to feel comfortable to come out. You can't tell people what to do. Uh, and we wanted to be a success as it was. We sold out the first year uh, and everyone said, oh, we're coming next year. We're coming next year. And they were ready. They actually sent their money, but we couldn't have it. And when I asked to return it, they said, no, hold on, because we're going to get this done one way or another. So we do believe that. Um, and we have to think like that. You can't constantly be down. I have to That's think right. like Linda. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's the correct <laughs> attitude. No question about it. Now, I want to ask now about something unrelated, and that's something that we mentioned at the top of the show, and that is Yolanda Style and Glamour. This is your television program on WCAC-TV Channel 8 in Waltham, Massachusetts. I want to hear more about Yolanda Style and Glamour, how it was conceived, and how it's been going. Oh, it's been wonderful. It's been since 2009. Uh, That year after I closed, I was uh, at a fundraiser for Karen Polito. She was one of my brides, actually, years ago, uh, the attorney general, I mean, uh, the lieutenant governor. And uh, we had a, a fantastic time together. And so when she was running with Baker, I went to a fundraiser at Filippo's on the North End. And a woman walked up to me, and she was the executive director of the station, and she said, you're Yolanda, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she said, oh, you closed the business a big loss to the stadium, whatever. She said, how would you like to have your own TV show? And I said, oh, I don't know. And she said, we'd love to have it here in Walton. We don't have anything on the channel with fashion. And she approached me and she said, we can give it a title and you can do whatever you want and have on who you want. And 
that's when I decided I was working, of course, with many of the colleges, Newbury College, Babson, and Endicott, and you name a college, and I was there for them, giving different tours and taking a lot of their interns in. And um, I thought, gee, what a great opportunity. I could have these young designers on the show, and they'll have a chance to get a tape they could send to Project Runway, and they can get their foot in the door because it have, they'll already have done a local TV show, and their things will be photographed. Because for them to rent a studio and get someone to do all this would be expensive. And it kicked off really great. I got in touch with all of the directors and women there, and they started sending me, me different um, girls that uh, had design and gentlemen, both designers, men and women. And then I thought of all my competitors and my friends in the business, like Denise Hajar and David Joseph and Danny Fauché and all the designers in Boston that I knew so well and said, how would you like to be on the show? And they were delighted because they got to show their collections. So that was about 2010. And here we are, 21, and we are still doing the show. We tape every Wednesday at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. Uh, we do two shows uh, a week. So we do it on the same day, which saves time for me and for the director and the and, and the people that are there, the film guys and um, it works out really well so we have but we've changed it since the pandemic we couldn't have models on the show uh since last year so we've been using video and photos and having different people come on from different parts of life like yourself which we want to have you on uh who have interesting stories last week we had on Joseph Pianagiosi from the bakery company who makes fantastic breads and has his own radio show um, making bread. And um, so it, it, it's great. I mean, it's um, been so much fun to me. I've met so many new people. I have a new girl who's going to come on who makes chocolate high heels out of chocolate Ooh. and fabulous chocolates for like Mother's Day is coming up. So we Interesting. Any interesting person that has a lot to say or wants to show off their businesses. Um, and it makes me so happy because uh, they make a lot of connections through the show. And it's great for our listeners. I, I just left a Star Market a while ago here in Waltham and someone said, oh, I love your show. I watch it every week. And it's on several times. It's on um, not only uh, one time it goes on like a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, and a Saturday afternoon. Very cool. Uh, the same, yeah. They they run it quite a bit, um, and I'm so fortunate to deal. Maria Sheehan is the girl that got in touch. She's still the executive director all these years later, and she's still there. She runs a tight ship. Absolutely, and you guys out there, you'll be hearing more about your man, Mister Golden's appearance on Yolanda's wonderful show because I'll tell you with the chop session out of season and with the Sterling perspective coming up July 9th in season three, that leaves your man with a couple of weeks of whatever he wants to do. And that includes blessing the Yolanda Salucci studios in Waltham and WCAC TV. More on that in the coming weeks, you guys. And speaking of you and I, Yolanda, I want to get into that a little bit. So Full disclosure to all y'all out there, 
I unfortunately was late to the party with Yolanda. I first met her in 2018. Actually, it was a uh, presentation out in Boston of a Lifetime Achievement Award that Yolanda received at a fashion event that I happened to be in attendance for. And she was wonderful, very gracious. You know, we hit it off right away. And, a year, and then a year later, as we ended the Sterlingtology Live morning show here at Boston Free Radio in 2019, we had Yolanda Salucci pull up as our final official live guest of the series. And what a day that was, Yolanda, because, God, who showed up? We had Amanda Saladino, Boston's number one bartender. We had my original co-host, Kalani Sky. We had the damn Kitar Bear show up that day. Yep. Right. I mean, Unreal. And, of course, our dear friend Gosha stopped by. She often did on the show. I mean, I got to say, you know, as an editorial moment here, you know, I'm very fortunate and most grateful to have gotten acquainted with you, Yolanda. And it's easy to see why you are so revered in our community and for all the great give back work you do. I mean, I'm truly a believer in the idea that, you know, it's all about giving back. And there's a great quote that I love from way back. It's, it goes like this. It goes, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And I think that really exemplifies Yolanda Salucci in so many ways. You're an important figure, but you understand the importance of being nice to those who you work with, who you interact with. And, you know, staying humble, staying hungry, being the hardest worker out there, that's you, Yolanda, you know, so a great salute to you and, you know, for all the years you put in out here in our community and the years to come, I'm excited to see what's next for you, Yolanda. Well, it's going to be fun being together on the show. Uh, We do have an award coming up, which I'm very excited about because I'm really into my Italian heritage, and uh, Friday, May 28th, we were supposed to be in Washington at the 32nd Annual National Education and Leadership Award Gala, and uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, they are only doing it on Zoom, so uh, I will be getting an award from the Sons of Italy Foundation in Washington, D.C. on that date, but they said um, they will give us the award through Zoom, and then next year, hopefully, they can open to the public like they always had and have us uh, come to Washington, even though we already have the award and be honored once again on stage. So, um, actually, uh yeah, the, the award's been given to a lot of national figures and a lot of national Italian uh, people like Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. So I feel very honored and excited about what's coming up. And I'm excited for this as well, Yolanda. It's a most deserving honor. And I got to say, before we wrap it up here this week, what a great honor it was to have you be our final live guest of this particular season of the CHOP session. And if you want to hear more about Yolanda Salucci and learn more about Yolanda Salucci, you can go to yolandas.com and check out more about what Yolanda Salucci is all about. She's found on social media as well. And again, check out my own social media in Yolanda's and weeks to come about my appearance on Yolanda's great television show, Yolanda Style and Glamour, on WCAC-TV in Waltham, Mass., 
So more on that soon. But hey, Yolanda Salucci, I want to say thank you for taking the time on this Monday evening to talk with us here on the CHOP session. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks in person. You'll be my first person I've seen in person besides family and <laughs> studio personnel in 13 damn months, Yolanda. I mean, 14 months, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm beside myself. I'm going to finally be on someone's set for the first time in 14 months, and it's going to be yours. I'm truly honored. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so delighted, and we're all looking forward to having you there, and good luck on the uh, vaccinations and everything goes smoothly, because I always did, and I'm sure yours will, too. Absolutely. Yolanda Salucci, ladies and fellas. Next week here on The Chop Session, our season finale is going to be dope, you guys. It's a two-hour season finale here on The Chop Session because we are doing, for the first time, the very best of The Chop Session, seasons one and two. So, yeah, we're going to do a best of for all of y'all. Some of the best guests and best moments we've had on this interview series, this award-winning interview series. And thank you again, SMC Honors, for that. And we'll be presenting that to y'all next week, Monday, 6 p.m., U.S. Eastern Time, here on Boston Free Radio. And it's going to be a dope show, you guys. So it's a two-hour season finale of the very best of the CHOP session, seasons one and two. And no, it's not because I couldn't get one more guest. It's because I wanted to do a best of, okay? So that being said, you guys, Yolanda Salucci, one more time, thank you for being on this week. Thank you. And y'all, you can find The Chop Session on Instagram at Chop Session Show and on Twitter at The Chop Session. You can, you can find your man Sterling Golden on Instagram at DJ Sterling Golden and on Twitter at DJ Sterling Golden with one G. And again, if you miss an episode of our series or lock in late, subscribe to The Chop Session with Sterling Golden wherever you listen to podcasts. You can catch every episode of this radio series to date. And what can I say? You know, Great ride so far and more to come. And we'll see y'all next week. Yolanda Salucci, thank you. Thank you. This is the Chop Session, and I say stop. <laughs> <laughs>